In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Some years ago, in the summer after I graduated from college, I spent three weeks up in Maine in an outward-bound sailing course. Uh, Beforehand, I had read everything I could and talked to people who had done similar things, and so I knew some of what was to come. I knew that it would involve three weeks of sailing. I knew that there would be 13 of us living together on a fairly small boat where we would cook and eat all of our meals and take care of all natural bodily functions over the side of the boat. But what I did not read in the small print or somehow missed was the fact that our daily bath, or what would be in the place of a bath, would happen if and when we jumped over the side of the boat into the chilly water of a June main. It was freezing. As they say in the South, I like to die. I remember thinking, this is when it happens. I'm going to have a heart attack by the shock of the cold water. I remember it so well on days like this, when it's a little cold outside. I remember that chill. I remember the pain of cold water and the absolute shock. It really took the breath away. That's the sort of water we should use at baptism, but we're too easy on these kids this day. (laughs) No, instead, we do a a trick at Holy Trinity to make sure the water is just right. You see, if you go back into the sacristy, to the bathroom in the sacristy, turn on the cold water in the bathroom and let it run, then come back in the sink of the sacristy and turn on the hot water, it will eventually get scalding hot. And so if it's filled up with that about 30 minutes, minutes before the baptism, then by the time we get to Francie's baptism, it's just perfect. (laughs) We avoid the shock of cold water. But in a way, that's too bad, because that's what baptism is about. In a church I served after I was first ordained, the rector is always insistent that when an adult is baptized, the adult should lean over the baptismal font. But what he means by that is so that he can pour cold water down the back of their neck so that they feel the shock of baptism. I have no plans to substitute cold water for our warm water anytime soon. But it is appropriate, if you think about it, that sometimes babies scream and cry at baptisms. It's appropriate that adults might feel a little bit of panic approaching their baptism. That's because baptism changes us. It can change everything. It opens us up to the power and the will and the love of God in entirely new ways. In today's second reading, we hear words from Simon Peter that are eloquent words, but these words don't come easy. If we were to back up in the Acts of the Apostles and read a little earlier, back in chapter 10, we can see how the story begins and where Peter really begins to experience a conversion. 
In Peter's case, it's not so much with water, but it might as well be, because it brings that that shock of having been dropped in 50-degree water. Peter, like Jesus himself at the beginning of his ministry, Peter understands his mission as a Jew to be among Jews. Um, The Jews, the people of Israel, were God's selected and elected people, and so that's who Peter was called to serve. God brings all of this into question when God sends a man named Cornelius into the presence of Peter. Cornelius is not Jewish. He's a Roman soldier, in fact. He's a Gentile. And so Peter would have been completely within his rights to simply walk on and ignore Cornelius. But then something happens. Peter goes to sleep and he has a dream And this is some dream he has. It's a vision of hunger. He's hungry as he can be. And he sees a sheet that's lowered down from heaven, filled with animals and reptiles and birds and all sorts of strange things. And then in this dream, Peter hears a voice, the voice of God saying, stand up and kill and eat. Peter responds to the voice, explaining that you don't understand. I'm religious. I only eat certain things. I don't eat anything that's common or unclean. I keep the Jewish dietary laws. But the voice says to Peter clearly, what God has cleansed, you have no right to call common. Well, Peter wakes up from this strange dream and probably tries to do his best to get on with his day. But later, when God brings Peter and Cornelius together, Peter remembers the dream. And he connects the dream about clean and unclean food with his prior understanding of people. With the false separations that he had been carrying around. Separations between who is in and who is out. Who's clean and who's unclean. Who are those to be included and who are those not to be included. Who are those whom God loves and favors, and who are all the rest? After his dream, all this becomes mixed up for Peter. Mixed up so he has to fall into the grace of God. And so in today's reading from Acts, the one we heard a few minutes ago, we hear this wiser and enlightened Peter He says, I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. I think it's always helpful to remember that Peter wasn't born in this place of of acceptance and inclusivity and openness. He had to make his own way there, and people still do. Peter's new understanding that God does not play favorites, that God shows no partiality, that God chooses whoever and whenever God desires, all of these issues are related directly to an understanding of holy baptism. We celebrate holy baptism this day. We remember the baptism of Jesus by his kinsman John in the River Jordan, and we celebrate a baptism of our own. In the back of the prayer books is the Catechism of the Episcopal Church, and it's sometimes helpful to look back at what we say we believe about some of the basics. Back there in the prayer book, we're reminded that holy baptism is the sacrament by which God adopts us as his children and makes us members of Christ's body, the church, and inheritors of the kingdom of God. 
And so that means that after baptism, the the birth child and the adopted child are indistinguishable. Because in God's sight, we're all adopted children through baptism. The water makes us one, as though we were looking at the world through water. And when we look out through the perspective of baptism, any distinctions that we might have seen before become blurred. The edges are smoothed off and difficulties go out of focus. Or at least that's the potential. That's the offer in holy baptism. Like regular water, the memory of baptism can wash us. Though we're baptized only once in the Anglican tradition, we partially relive our baptisms again and again. Whenever another is baptized, surely whenever we affirm our baptismal vows, whenever we touch holy water, whenever we're blessed by its having been thrown at us through the air, that's your warning. The water will come later. As I saw the ice outside last night, I thought of a child's joke that a kid in my previous church told me one day. It's a joke about polar bears. The joke asked, how do you catch a polar bear? Well, it's easy. First, you dig an ice hole, and then you put a few green peas around the outside of it. And when the polar bear comes to take a pea, you push him in. It's a silly story. But I think sometimes the church thinks of baptism in a similar way. If we just have a font and take the cover off, then people will come and they'll fall in. God will bring us people to baptize. God will do all the work. We simply need to stand back. That's not who we're called to be as people of faith. On the feast day for St. John the Baptist, in some parts of the world, people go into the streets and they throw water on each other. They throw water out of windows. They throw water at strangers. It's a huge celebration of water, of the, the possibility of cleansing, of being made new, of being changed, of being awakened by water. That's the image the church should have. We should be running through the streets of Yorkville and Manhattan, dousing people with water. The love of God that is the water of baptism. The love of God that calls us to to repent, to change, to grow into holiness, to see things differently, to fall into love with God and God's world again and again and again. God gave St. Peter a vision that helped him move beyond the confines of his upbringing, his, his class, his experience, his religion. Even Jesus was shaken out of his own ethnic assumptions when he met the Samaritan woman, the Canaanite, the Syrophoenician, the tax collector, many others. Especially today, the scriptures invite us to ask What part of our lives might God be nudging us to expand or or change or enlarge? In what area might God be asking us to break down a wall, to give up a prejudice, to, to revise an earlier opinion? What part of me needs to be washed clean and made new? Are there places in our lives where we continue to hold on to old beliefs or assumptions that need to change? Are there places where we too, like Peter, are called to to show no partiality, 
to see people as adopted brothers and sisters in Christ. Especially this day and in this new year, may the power of baptism shock us like cold water. May it wake us up to be God's faithful people in new ways. May it cleanse us from sin, bring new visions, and help us to extend the kingdom of God to every corner and every person. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.